talking about? Are you high? I want to rent you. You want to rent me? Yeah. You pretend you like me, and we go out for just a few weeks, and that will make me popular. Just going out with me is not going to make you popular. Well, I have a thousand dollars. It says it will. I think you've mowed one too many lawns. You're right. I believe we have decided against purchasing the outfit. Jocks, my side, your side. It's all bullshit. It's hard enough just trying to be yourself. Yeah! It's Pool Scene Podcast time again. I am Kevin. I'm joined by Jim. As always, how are you, buddy? I'm pretty good, man. I feel a lot better knowing that I was able, able to walk down the cool hallway. Not just sit at the cool table, but walk down the cool hallway. Relax, anyway. It's only school. Well, this is not my average opening day. I'm about to walk the cool hallway. A cool hallway? Like, seriously? What if your class is in that fucking hallway and you were a nerd? What if the- Fuck you! You're not going to class! What if you're a teacher? Sorry. Sorry, at looks like somebody's going home today. We hope you enjoyed the season eight premiere episode covering the Shawshank Redemption. Kevin went all the way to Mansfield for that. Yes. I mean, come on. To see where they filmed 1995 Fantastic. <laughs> Still, that might be out of all the movies we have covered and we're approaching episode 100. The fact that a movie was called 1995 Fantastic that had nothing to do with anything about the movie I is fantastic. I have a feeling, you know, we have friends in Taiwan, but I have feelings that in Taiwan, a lot of these movies probably had some real wacky titles. I would love to know. This week's movie was not nominated for Best Picture. It never even came up in the conversation, but that doesn't mean it's not awesome. This week's movie is Can't Buy Me Love. Can't buy me love. The 1987 one, not the Nick Cannon one from 2003. Named after a Beatles song, Can't Buy Me Love was directed by Steve Rash. Gotta love Stevie Rash. Unfortunate last name, but he also directed Son-in-Law, so maybe all he cares about is Nugs, Chillin' and Grindage. My dad's favorite Pauly Shore movie. I like that your dad has a favorite Pauly Shore movie. He loves it for one scene and one scene only when they're sitting at the dining room table and Lane Smith, the dad goes, uh, crap. Well, Nugs, Chillin' and Grindage was not even in Son-in-Law. That was in Encino Man. Yeah. Which we covered in one of our best episodes, in my opinion. This movie originally titled Boy Rents Girl. So bad. I kind of actually love it. It makes sense because that's what he did. Before it was renamed after the Beatles song. This movie's sort of like a dime store version of a John Hughes movie. And it's been hated on by critics for 35 years. I don't know why. I think it's fucking great. I love this movie movie jim let us know if moviegoers felt the same as critics and give us budget and box office information for can't buy me love along with number ones and news at time of release so before i get to that kevin I want to remind all the pool singers out there, go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, and if we select it, we'll read it on the air and send you a prize. And Kevin, we have a winner this week from 
user Mike Cole sent us a five-star review. Nostalgic and hilarious. Mike wrote, I listen to this every Monday morning religiously. It's just something I have to do now. I'm 41, and this is just so nostalgic and hilarious. Kevin and Jim are great and found their perfect calling in this podcast. You can feel their passion and intensity of these old movies they talk about. Love it. And Mike, guess what? We're sending you a prize, buddy. Make sure you jump on to Pool Scene Podcast on Facebook or Instagram. DM us your address. We're going to send you out a little prize pack. So everybody's eligible for this. All you have to do is send a five-star review. Let us see it. Send it to us. You're going to get something cool from us. I'll tell you that right now. Packed with extra love. We actually sent out some uh, some packages tonight. That's right. A lucky few will receive a bonus gift. A little token of our appreciation for some others. Kind of randomly sending out some things. But Mike, uh, thank you for the review. We truly appreciate your listenership. I think that's a word. All right. So Jim, uh, news number one's budget box office type of stuff. All right. Let's do it. Let's rent a girl, everybody. On August 14th, 1987, Can't Buy Me Love was released with a 1.8 million dollar budget and it made 32 million at the box office pretty damn good yeah that was that was good if you look at where they shot this they shot it in and around tucson arizona so you know i don't expect tucson to be such a haven for hey we got to film it at this place it's kind of like a and w or a 50 sock hop place do we think that they specifically chose tucson not because they wanted to be there but because of the proximity of the airplane graveyard it would had to have been they it were just like there's an airplane graveyard there the story's gonna be set there i love the airplane graveyard it's the best but kevin i bet you didn't know certain things about camp i me love which is kind of crazy i'm gonna drop a little bit on you little knowledge if you will it was named after a beatles song what no shit sherlock no. Are the Beatles that song that had that Get Down song in 2000? Yeah, it was. I think it was B44. Oh, Beatles 4-4. Yes, they were. The movie almost didn't get made because of prostitution. Wait, what? That's right. One of the guys who wrote the movie, he came into his first meeting and six studio execs are sitting there. And there's one woman sitting there and she's like, well, I don't know why we bought this movie because it's almost like prostitution. It, yeah. I mean, technically it is. Yeah, it kind of is. One of the early drafts of the script featured some R-rated material with gags like a football player ejaculating in a teenage girl's hair. Ooh. So that's kind of gross. Rash said, my most significant contribution was the airplane graveyard. So good old Steve Rash, that was his idea with the graveyard. Of course, Seth Green was in this movie. Whatever. The studio almost removed Kenneth's famous quote of you shit on my house. Oh. They almost removed it. Courtney Gaines said in an interview, because they thought it was too edgy for a teenage movie. You shit on my house? You shit on my house. And I have a story about that. Courtney Gaines actually said that to me a couple times. And I met Courtney Gaines. Really cool guy. One of the sad things was that Amanda Peterson, she ended up dying in 2015. It's oh. it's pretty sad. And Paula Abdul herself choreographed the African anteater ritual dance. Straight up now tell me that's not the truth. She did. She actually did. I would love to have known how she was like, hey, Paula. It's yeah. like two moves. Or it three. Is. It's like three or four, but still. She got paid. They paid her $100,000 for like. Can you imagine Randy Hall going, all right, they just made a fucking dance to my song. But, Kevin, there was another amazing thing around this time, late 80s, early 90s. Teen Beat was okay. a huge publication, huge magazine for the ladies. And on the cover of Teen Beat for this month, August 1987, the title, Star Trek's Dream Vacations of the Young and the Famous. Why they use Star Trek's has nothing to do with actual Star yeah. Trek. But on the cover, Alyssa Milano, Rob Lowe, Kirk Cameron, 
Ralph Macchio. All right. Ralph Macchio, baby. That's right. Your top rentals at Blockbuster Video were as follows. Blockbuster Video. Over the top. Yeah. Critical condition with Richard Pryor. I don't remember that. And one of the weirdest Disney movies I ever watched that gave me nightmares as a kid, Flight of the Navigator. Yeah. I don't know why, but that movie used to freak me the hell out. I'm Kurt Loder with an MTV News Brief. Bon Jovi, friend of the show, Fred Whitaker's favorite band, released their third album, Slippery When Wet, which went on to go to Billboard's top-selling album of 1987. I know, have sold a billion copies. Jesus Christ. I mean, look what was on that album, like Living on a Prayer. Oh, my God. Kevin, in the news, Ohio healthcare worker Donald Harvey sentenced to triple life. Triple life, Kevin. One's not enough, two's not enough, three, you fucker, for poisoning 24 patients. All right. Yeah, triple life. That's worse. The movie we covered all the way back on episode number three, Dirty Dancing, opens in the United States. Michael Jackson's Bad Video premiered on CBS Network Television. Not just MTV, but CBS Primetime Television. In sports, George, what's up, buddy? Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael, and welcome to The Sports Machine. Mike Tyson, Kid Dynamite himself, outpoints Tony Tucker in 12 rounds in a heavyweight boxing unification matchup in Vegas. Tonight in Las Vegas, Tyson and Tucker meet for the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world. He is the first to own all three major belts, the WBA, WBA, BC and IBF. He went 12 rounds. He went 12 rounds. That's insane. With some guy named Tony Tucker. You got to say some guy named Tony Tucker. That's crazy. Tyson's, all Tyson's fights were a first round knockout. knockout. Took him three to unify all three belts. Arena Bowl one happened. In the I remember exactly where I was. When NFL playoffs. I know exactly where you were. It was in Pittsburgh because it took place at Civic Arena. The Denver Dynamite beat the Pittsburgh Gladiators 45 to 16. Gary Mullen was named your MVP. Kevin, are you familiar with the Great Potato Incident? I'm not. I had to ask the umpire that I had to go to the dugout to get my other glove. I grabbed my spare glove, made sure I had it closed because the potato was in that. And I went back to the home plate area. Went squat right down and called a slider low and away. He had the potato tucked under his leg in his bare hand and came up and threw a pretty good throw to third base. <laughs> he threw a strike. I mean, if I'd have caught the potato, I, I believe that we would have picked him off. So I short armed it. And then I stepped right in front of him before he touched home plate and tagged him with the ball, showed it to him, and then I rolled it on the mound. No one knows at that precise moment what the heck Dave has done. The third base umpire went out and retrieved it, and he was from New York, and he goes, it's a potato. He threw a potato. (laughs) It's a potato. He said it was a potato. Wait. Yep. Umpire calls the runner safe, and the catcher is fined 50 bucks and released by the team. 50 bucks. 50 bucks and released by the team. Hey, give me 50 bucks and get the fuck out of here. The great potato incident wow. took place in August. Did of he 19- carve the potato or did he? Uh... It doesn't say the, the catcher actually carved it. He's sitting in a dugout and just had a fucking potato just out of nowhere. He just commissioned somebody. Then again, if this is like the Field of Dreams Park, maybe they're growing fucking potatoes and you just reach out of the dugout and yank one. I don't know. That's crazy. This guy was doing scrimshaw into a fucking potato. 
Also, Kevin, Fox primetime TV debuts around this time. The number one movie in America, Timothy Dalton, The Living Daylights, James okay. Bond nice. Returns, which T-Dalt kind of wasn't unpopular, James yeah, Bond, yeah, not one sure. of the most recognized. And who do you like for a new Bond? Idris Elba. I thought Idris Elba was older than he is. I think he's 47 or 49 yeah he's not that old no but you got to think if they're going to make a movie over two or three years and he has a three or four movie contract he's going to be early 60s i mean which i think is where daniel craig is now yeah so i mean other names have been floated around i've heard fastbender's name been thrown in there henry cavill which yeah. would be interesting because he'd be superman Geralt from the witcher and then Gerardo he be, Rivera, Gerardo Rivera. There's a lot of younger, LeVar like Burton. British actors that have been mentioned to yeah. take and bond. And I get it. I like Elba. That's my pick. Kevin, we're going to add a little some spice because we have fans from the United Kingdom. Your number one song in the United Kingdom at this time was Michael Jackson, Sadea Garrett. I just can't stop loving you. Okay. I just can't stop loving you. So that was your number one song in the United Kingdom and the number one song here in the United States of America. <sighs> you too, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. That's not that bad. It's you too. Yeah. It's not hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me. I don't care. Stuck in a moment you can't get out of. <sighs> yeah. Anything with you too is a moment you can't get out of, especially if it's on your fucking iPhone. It's a hard time to get that out of there and you're stuck in that moment. So screw that. Kevin, that's all that was going on. Watch those potatoes, everybody. A fucking catcher might steal it. August 1987. All right. Pay me $1,000 to tell you the plot. Our story takes place in Tucson, Arizona. Ronald Miller is your typical 80s nerd. Donald! Oh, Cindy, one last thing. Yeah. My name is Ronald, not Donald. He's been mowing lawns all summer because he's saving money to buy a telescope or, as his mom mistakes five times, a microscope. Yeah, close enough. So, have you saved up enough money? Yeah. $1,500. Yeah, I mowed 331 miles of grass this summer. That's $4.00. And 54 cents per mile. Mm, the Ronald Miller story. My life on a mower. Hmm. How much is the microscope? Telescope? That's a totally different kind of nerd. His parents are fucking dumb. <laughs> Beyond dumb. Ronald's neighbor is Cindy Mancini, who is also a typical 80s archetype, the popular cheerleader. Cindy borrowed and wore her mom's expensive suede outfit oh, the to suede. a party where she had wine spilled on it. <gasps> this is where the characters' paths collide. Cindy needs money to replace the outfit. Ronald has money, so he offers her $1,000 in cash to pretend to be his girlfriend for a month. Even though she has a boyfriend who's away at college. At Iowa. Ronald's theory is that he'll become popular. Cindy makes him over with new hair, new clothes, and Ronald trades his old friends for new shallow ones. They begin to bond and have real feelings for each other. I mean, Ronald and Cindy. And they open up the curtain to who they really are. When Cindy wants Ronald to kiss her, he misunderstands. And the next day, they have a public breakup at school, which is an act, but Ronald goes too far and he hurts Cindy's feelings. He goes way too far. How naive is this kid? He has wanted this moment. Probably he's imagined it forever. And he's so fucking stupid and it's naive. so strange. God. All he's ever wanted was Cindy. To the tune of he was willing to pay $1,000 for it. Yeah. 
But then when he gets the actual opportunity, he can't see it. You know, the thing that kind of is weird too. Patrick Dempsey even kind of dressed up like a nerd. Not a nerd. No. I'm sorry. Courtney Gaines should have been Ronald Miller in this movie. Ronald grows into a total asshole. He starts bullying his old friends along with the jocks. Well, sort of. The worst thing is that at a New Year's Eve party, Cindy overhears Ronald reciting a secret poem that she shared with him to his date, which is <laughs> her friend. He's trying to bang on the toilet. Yeah. You won't respect me. I respect you immensely and intensely. I do. This summer, my wish is for you to hold me in your arms in a sea of deep blue. Together at last. Together as two. Cindy's night gets worse because she gets drunk. And when her boyfriend Bobby shows up, he dumps her after finding out about her relationship with Ronald, which isn't even a real relationship. And he's right. Yes, he is very, he's, he's very justified right. in doing so. He also justified in needing to go to the barber and tell him he's sick of looking like an asshole because <laughs> his hair sucks. Cindy also has a cutout behind her door of a high school boyfriend. Yeah, it's just weird. fucking weird. Cindy has had enough. And she tells the party the truth about Ronald, and he becomes a target of the party. Now, mind you, the party is happening at his house. Which I find weird. So he leaves his own house. He leaves his own house, and he, he takes a walk. He comes back because he's not wanted. He spends the whole night crying in the garage. He now has lost his old nerd friends and his new popular ones. Ronald has an opportunity to redeem himself when he sees one of the jock bullies about to attack his old friend, Kenneth. Oh, such a good scene. Ronald points out they were all friends when they were nine. The jock had fallen out of a tree and broke his arm when Ronald and Kenneth carried him to the hospital. Ronald points out that clicks are just bullshit. And it's hard enough to be yourself. The movie ends with Cindy. Okay, let's get this deal straight. One last time. Now you can have Saturday nights, but only if you ask me in advance. Okay, I'm asking you in advance. Will you go to the prom with me? I'm going to do that stupid dance. Okay, how about kissing? It's a must. Definitely. Can Bobby Riding Ronald's lawnmower with him as he asks her to prom. It sounded like a euphemism. Yeah. He rode a fucking lawnmower. And, you know, I like the ending because she's about to go somewhere with her friends who have went through this cycle of, like, Ronald was invisible, then he became popular, then he became a pariah, and now, after standing up for Kenneth and kind of, like, eliminating, well, we think, the blurred lines of the school cafeteria, yeah. they're, like, cheering her on. But here's the thing. Her two friends aren't fucking saints. They both try to fuck him at the same yes. time after yeah. he broke up with her. Right. Let's get into characters. Patrick Dempsey is Ronald Miller. Amanda Peterson, rest in peace, as yep. Cindy Mancini. Tina Caspery is Barbara. No Wikipedia for her. Darcy DeMoss is Patty. Court McCown is Quint. Eric Bruscotter is Big John. Hell yeah. Gerardo... Um, uh, <laughs> Rico Suave? Yeah. Gerardo Maya is Ricky. Yep. It's uh, Gerardo, the uh, Rico Suave guy. Is that, real? is that Rico Suave? I thought so. Courtney Gaines as Kenneth Worman. Oh. Seth Green, who doesn't really look like Seth Green. No, he's not Seth Green. I mean, he's a kid, but like he looks off. <laughs> he doesn't look right. And maybe it's because he we're so used to when Seth Green was young, having that long hair. So, but something, it's just. This is very prepubescent Seth Green. Dennis Dugan is David Miller. Uh, I got one for you. Oh. Ricky's date for the Columbus Day dance. 
Her name is Devin DeVasquez. Okay. It was weird because Ricky also tells Ronald later on, that chick wants you. Nobody wants her as bad, man. <laughs> Get it. Yet, you know, that was the one who he recited poetry for on the toilet. She dated Sylvester Stallone and Prince and was the June 85 Playmate of the Month. Holy shit. <laughs> Stallone and, and Prince. Prince. What's she doing now? Who the hell knows? Wow. Which actor or actress gives a past performance does any non-lead character steal scenes? So for me, I have two. Kenneth. This is supposed to be the biggest year of our lives. The prom, parties, homecoming. We're supposed to have memories. Memories? We'll have plenty of memories. Yearbook committee, video parlor, car games on Saturday nights. for retards. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean it that way. Yeah, we do have a lot of great memories. But be honest, wouldn't you like to be popular? And have to be in a clique? No. What happened to us? We were all friends in elementary. That's because we were all forced to be in the same room together. But hey, junior high, high school, forget it. Jocks became jocks. Cheerleaders became cheerleaders. We became us. I like us. Because even though there was that split between Kenneth and Ronald, in the end, Kenneth was always there. He was just trying to be friends with Patty and Ronald stuck up for him, even though he shit on his house. But big shout out to my other favorite, Big John. So what's the real reason why they call you Big John? <laughs> well, how about I show you? <laughs> hey, great game, Big John. Oh, thanks. Hey. So, um, you brought Cindy here? No. Yes, well... We came from her house together. So, yeah. Well, hey, anyway, you think you can handle a brew? Sure. You got an A&W? <laughs> no, you're a funny guy, though. <laughs> I fucking love Big John. He farts, like yeah. venomous farts. At one point, which I find weird, when they're at, I think it's called Scoops. Yeah, it's like a, not quite a drive-in, but like the, the hangout for the kids. I find it weird that it's called Scoops, but the awning says Tuxedos of Tucson, which... <laughs> Okay, apparently you can get French fries and a three-piece suit. What a but, cummerbund ice cream truck. <laughs> exactly. But at one point, Ronald takes Big John's ass and sticks it in his own car yeah. so he could fart, which smokes out his brother. Yes. He kind of like eggs John on. But his a... dirty ass. I mean, he's notorious for it. But I like Big John because... Big John was in Major League Two. Yes, he was Rube Baker. Yeah, he needed. He was the catcher who uh, needed to read Fredericks of Hollywood to be able to play baseball. But I always felt like, even though Big John was kind of responsible for the throwing of shit at Kenneth's house, he was also the first one to clap after Ronald stuck up for Kenneth in the world's nicest outdoor cafeteria for a high school yeah. I've ever seen. Well, I was one of our friends his he had like a cousin who lived in california and he used to like send yearbooks to the family and like there'd be all these photos of like their high school was like a campus because you, you and i both of our high schools were just like a building we had a 19 a parking lot we had a 1940s cafeteria that was it. yeah not that no they have these outdoor huge areas devin devasquez is now as of 2009 married to the singer songwriter from the band player right who is best known for portraying Ridge Forrester on The Bold and the Beautiful. All right. So she married Ridge Forrester. Stallone, Prince, Ridge Forrester. Yeah. Okay. Plain downwards. <laughs> well, what order was that? Because I'd say Prince is the pinnacle. Yeah. And then Stallone. But if she's getting Stallone around Rocky Four, Was it Frank Stallone? <laughs> he convinced her that he was sly. She's just not that smart. You're not sly. You guessed it. Frank Stallone. Yeah. Let's move on to best scenes. I got a lot. You go first then. Before I get into my first, I want to mention real quick, 
when Bobby shows up at the party at the end, it is probably the worst ADR yeah. that we've ever experienced yes. throughout the history of this podcast thus far. Horrible. Man, come in. What's happening, Strong? It's Quintan, who's Iris's latest victim. Oh, you got it backwards, Bobby. He's victimizing her. Ronnie Miller's nailed every wench in school. Ronald Miller? He couldn't get nailed in Woodshop. <laughs> Well, uh, the man has reached legendary status this year, bro. <laughs> you ain't a legend, Tisco, the captain of the cheerleaders. Come on, I don't buy it. Cindy? Hey, no freaking way. Come on, Quint. Even think of holding out on me. I'll kill you. Bullshit! No, it was an act. Bobby, he paid me. Then that makes you a prostitute. My favorite scene, get right off the bat, at the dance, the African anteater ritual yes. dance. Hey, it's the African anteater ritual. At first, Patty looks at Ronald like he's fucking having a spasm. It's okay, backstory. Yeah. So one morning, Ronald wakes up and he knows the dance is coming up. He's got to learn how to dance. His brother, Seth Green. Is that the only TV they have? Apparently so. It's a 12-inch TV on the kitchen counter. On the kitchen counter. So he's like, I need to watch Banson. I need to watch Banson. He goes ahead and puts what he thinks. His brother's watching wrestling. Watching wrestling. And his brother's like, no. And he's like, $2, give me $2. This is what I don't get. Even if you don't watch or never watched American Bandstand, you know what American Bandstand looks like. There's dancers on different levels. There's a fucking AB and neon in the background. Like what they see is like the COVID version of American Bandstand. It's two people dressed in African garb dancing, and he's learning how to do this thing. Because he thinks he's trying to learn the popular dance moves of the time. Yeah. Which he thinks he's watching bandstand. And then his brother comes back into the kitchen and goes, Now that ain't Dick Clark. We thank our two exchange students from Lo Swahili, Charles Kibengi and Sunday Ubuki, for recreating the African anteater ritual here on PBS African Cultural Hour. <laughs> so fast forward to the dance. He's there with Patty. Yeah. He just seems to rotate people in and out. They get on a dance floor. He's drinking punch that's not spiked, takes a swig of the punch, then spikes it and dumps the flask in the fucking bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. So he's not even drunk. He takes a swig, goes on a dance floor and starts doing the routine. Everybody's like, what the hell's going on? Patty starts. Big John well, starts. Well, Big John says like, That's bizarre. Yeah, but if the Ronster's doing it, must be new. Fucking love Big John. Then all of a sudden, and there's this one scene that I love the most. Ronald stops, looks around the entire dance floor and sees everybody's doing the African anteater ritual. But then his buddies, who aren't allowed to go on the dance floor because Ronald's new friends stopped them, go, ha, the African yeah. anteater ritual. <laughs> yeah, that's great. The other, uh, the two parts of that were one, when he's practicing it in the bathroom and I think it's it's the principal or the chaperone walks yeah. in and he's in there like uh, rehearsing and then Cindy sees him doing it and gets pissed. pissed. She's, she's with a new guy. She's so mad because she's like, these people are sheep. They're followers. Like Ron's out there doing God knows what and they're just doing it. It's weird because her friends kind of cast her off indirectly. Yes. And now they're pro Ronnie. Right. Which is crazy. What you got next? I have Ronald and Cindy's final official date under the contract. The moon looks different now. It's not as mysterious or romantic. I'm sorry I ruined it for you. You didn't ruin it. 
They just changed it, I guess. Um, there's something really important we need to discuss. I was wondering when you bring this up. So they're going to date for a month. It's not really like, you know, 40 year old virgin, which we covered where there's like 20 dates, but it's a month. And like at first, like she's not, I'll be seen with you a couple times and then like loosens up and actually goes on dates. Yeah, she gives poetry yeah. to him. Yeah. They wash the car together, but their final official date under the contract, he takes her to the airport graveyard. Oh, that's awesome. But it's where we see that she's actually fallen for him. Maybe it's because, like we said, he would never believe that she liked him or because he just has like tunnel vision, which when he sees the uh, chance of being popular is in sight. She basically is leaning in to kiss him and she's like, I want to tell you something. And he fucking cuts her off. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, the breakup. Like we should fucking go cra like Ugh. make it a big, ugly scene. How and can she, he be so dumb? I don't know. But then, the, yeah. So then the next day at school, she's like, hey, outside in the courtyard. That thing we talked about, it's time. I did a little thinking too. No, actually, I did quite a bit of thinking. And I decided that you're breaking me. What? Broke. Bankrupt. Chapter 11. What are you talking about? This. I'm dry. Hey, I can't keep up with you. I'm not a bank. I love it. Would you stop it, please? This isn't dignified. Dignified? One month, you draped all over me like a cheap fucking soup. Now I'm not dignified? This is not necessary. Would you show some maturity? Like your precious Bobby? Yeah. 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 Well, if I was as mature as him, I probably wouldn't have called you either. I'm tired of you comparing me to Bobby. And in fact, I'm tired of you. Period. And he just goes in on her with like personal below the belt. I am not a bank. Yeah. <laughs> he yes. opens up his wallet. Yeah, right. He literally opens his wallet. He basically calls her a whore and she hauls off yeah. and slaps yes. him. And then he sees her later and he's like, that was so realistic. Oh, Jesus Christ. He pisses me off. So my next one, I'm going to add a little levity. This scene kind of pops itself in there. Patty and Ronald are having a very intimate situation where Patty reveals her tits to Ronald and he's just, you know, like the virgin. <laughs> I happen to know that in the whole school, there's only one other titty quite this pretty. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm sick. Yep, <laughs> that's it. I bet you've never seen two like these before. Well, my parents do have cable. Oh, they do, do they? Mm-hmm. Mm. Don't you want to touch me? Oh. <laughs> wow. Can you believe this? <laughs> <It's our> oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> 17 years, three months, and five days. That's a long time to wait for some tit. <laughs> then you find out Ronald goes home and Ronald has a titty calendar in which he literally is like, oh my God, it's been this many days since I've touched tits. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> First off, Patty, her makeup choices. Oh my God. She takes her lipstick and not she only- She looks like the ultimate warrior. She looks like- <laughs> She does. She looks like pre-ultimate warrior. She looks like dingo warrior. She comes from parts unknown yes. and proceeds to not only put her lipstick on her lips, 
She puts lines and other marks all over her face, yet she's the cool, trendy one. She comes to school and says, On the day that the pilot and co-pilot gave their lives. Yeah, she does the, She looks crazy. When when Dana and I watched this, and Dana's seen it a million times, she was just like pissed the whole movie because she was like, what is that makeup? And now we're going through a similar thing because we're watching Euphoria on okay. HBO and Dana's like, no one does their makeup like that. Why is this happening? Because like everybody just has like crazy neon colors extending four inches off their eyes. But I think it's funny that Pee Wee in Porky's has a dick growth calendar and he has a titty grabbing titty, calendar. Yeah, titty just not even a sex calendar it's literally grabbing tit calendar yeah and if it wasn't for him <laughs> speaking up for kenneth he probably would have needed a few calendars before he would have filled it in again pretty much so the day after the breakup the big public breakup this isn't really a scene i mean i guess it is ronald shows up to school looking like an aspen coke dealer <laughs> He has <laughs> slicked back. What, what is this outfit? <laughs> he has sl- slicked back hair. That's right, I'm here. <laughs> Eating good. Hey, babies, how you doing, man? Good to see oh, all the ladies. Wow, right. That's right. Mom, Dad, send money, please. I'm broke. Hey, man. Good to see you, guys. Good to see you. Good to see you. Oh, ladies. You're looking fine. This Sam. Thanks, Ronnie. Looking rather tasty yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I love your hair. It's so, so saturated. Oh, it's nothing major. Just a little. He has like a bolo tie, but I'm pretty sure that the bolo might have a heart on it or something. And he has a voice affect. He has too many gimmicks. And he's like walking through the hall like King Dingling. He's doing spin moves uh, and like him and big john have some weird like high, high five. five situation and it's just like it's so strange and like patty and the other girl are fighting over yeah he was gonna take me out saturday no girl in the right goddamn mind is going to go out with a guy that has four bolo ties on slick back hair looks like he fucking white ports dumping it he just it looks like if you i mean it's, it's kind of accurate in a way like if you gave money to somebody who is like naturally a nerd or introvert type of reserve person you're like go pick out an outfit that you think would be popular and they showed up it's like one of those situations where everybody should be kind of laughing at him rather than with him you know nobody would associate no he's a big dummy <laughs> he's a big dummy so my next one you shit on my house. You shit on my house. Now, mine too. let's set it up. So it's the Halloween prank where Ricky and Big John seem to fuck with Kenneth's house for the past four years. And quick logic point, how Ronald doesn't know that Kenneth's house gets fucked with every four years, he seems to just be oblivious Him to it. Him and Kenneth are best friends. So you know, this they, has never come up. Listen, got my house egged again. They threw shit on it. So you would think. So Ronald notices in Big John's van, which is a fucking amazingly cool, like 70s van. It's not the rock and roll high school van. It's not, but it has shag carpeting all the fuck over it. So they pull up outside Kenneth's house and Ronald's like, no, I I got another house. And all of a sudden, Big John's like, you're going to be a fucking geek there, Miller. So they decide to start pelting Kenneth's house. Kenneth is set up a Rube Goldberg trap in his front yard, snags Ronald in a net. Fast forward after everything's gone down with the breakup with Cindy and she annihilates him. In yeah, New Year's so Eve. Ronald has nowhere to turn. Got nowhere to he turn. He has no popular people. The nerds have abandoned him. There's a really bad scene that I can't stand where he tries to sit down with a table of other outcasts and they get up and leave. Which makes no sense. And then Why this, would they know him? This girl who comes up, who's the 80s trope of the overweight girl. She's like, <laughs> didn't you take economics? 
You could have had me for forty nine ninety five. What is what is happening here? Could have done without that scene. Yeah. Ronald falls back. He finds Kenneth at the arcade. Yes. Which, fucking great arcade. I love 80s and 90s. Like, 80s and 90s movies that have arcade scenes. It's the best. It's the best. Just seeing somebody play. And he's playing a, a dirt bike game. Yeah, he's playing a dirt bike game. So he tries to explain himself to Kenneth. Kenneth is just getting real pissed. Then he grabs him, throws him up against a fucking Defender machine and go, You shit on my house! And he says it like four or five yeah, times. Yeah, he says it like he's going to cry. Like, play a second of it. I was an asshole to you and to thousands of others. Kenneth, Kenneth, it's you I gotta straighten this out with. You shit on my house, man. No. You shit on my house! You shit on my house, man. I know. It is so good because he just slowly just repeats and repeats and fades out. Now, my quick Courtney Gaines story. I met Courtney Gaines at Dark Christmas, I believe. It was like 2004, 2005. Our table was set up across from Courtney Gaines. And at the time, I was kind of somewhat still introvertish-ish. So I see Courtney Gaines and I'm referencing him from the Burbs and Can't Buy Me Love. So there's a picture of me that Peter Smith from Marvel drew. And I say out loud, game with the frame. And all of a sudden I see Courtney Gaines look at me and start laughing. Goes, it game with the frame. Next thing I know, Courtney Gaines walks in front of our table and goes, you shit on my house. (laughs) And he fucking nicest guy I've ever met. But he embraced this movie and he embraced being friggin' Klopak and it was awesome. Courtney Gaines, such a good dude. Yeah. Kevin, what do you got? That's really it. You got anything else you want to mention? Uh, Of course, I have Ronald standing up for Kenneth. It's just a great, great. Yeah, that is. And Mm. uh, I have some logic about that scene. So we'll get into that a little bit later. Take your hands off Kenneth or break your arm. Your pitching arm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't make me laugh. Lawn boy. Let go. You broke your arm once before, remember? You fell out of our treehouse. Kenneth picked you up, and we carried you 12 blocks to the hospital. Hey, you cried all the way. We were all friends then, remember? And now you want to end his life because he's talking to Patty on your side of the cafeteria. Oh, man, it's stupid. I know, because that's where I wanted to be, on your side with your crowd, and I messed up. See, I tried to buy my way in. But Kenneth, he's not trying to buy anybody. He's just trying to make friends, being himself. Cools, nerds, your side, my side. Man, it's all bullshit. It's just tough enough to be yourself. By far, fucking Sydney just destroying Ronald. You! Even Bobby thinks we went out. Great, huh? Ha! All of you thought we were a couple. What a joke! Ronald Miller paid me 1,000 bucks to pretend I liked him. What a deal, huh? $1,000 to go out with him for a month. This guy. God 
damn, is it cringeworthy because Ronald's looking behind him at Big John and Ricky and they're just moving oh, away from him. It is uncomfortable. He's like, guys, guys, like he's trying to, and, and they hear, won't even acknowledge him. And then you hear Big John saying, get the hell out of here. Yeah. So it's like, okay. But yeah, yeah. those, there's so many fucking scenes. I love this movie so much and watching it for the 750th time, I'll notice even little, like little more things in here. Such a great movie. Great scenes. I, I high mean, recommend. So this is a little bit of a logic thing before we move on to the pool check. Isn't Cindy partially to blame for that whole situation too? Because like the second she opens her mouth and says like Ronald paid me, wouldn't people have a negative opinion of Cindy for accepting money from Ronald? The only person it had any type of semblance of acknowledging that that she's a fucking prostitute is Bobby. Yeah. And Bobby is well, he's this, college educated. He's college educated. He's a hot guy. Football, went to Iowa, came back to see his friends, finds Gets out about haircut. Ronald Miller and whoever fucking 80 yard his voice did a horrible job because <laughs> I'd love to hear the original cut of this movie. Unless he's a soft speaker, I don't know, but it's bad. But Bobby, out of everybody in this movie, has the best amount of logic. Yes. By far. Yeah. All right. I, I'm pretty sure there's a pool in this one. Hey, Mrs. Mancini, looking good. Who's that guy you're dating with? Fuck him, Polchak! All right. I. Rocco the Creepo. I had a hard one. Uh, a hard, Wait, excuse uh, me? <laughs> I got Bluetooth.com. I got a hard one. I had a hard time with this a little bit. So we are doing hidden gem songs from the 1980s. Now, some of mine may not be exactly like forgotten, but again, this may have been the like the most difficult. I don't know why my brain was just like. And it's a funny thing. This was, it came yeah, in know. five minutes. I mean, that's exactly why you suggested it because you can't really Google a forgotten song. You know what no. I mean? So, so bear with me when we get. <laughs> The mine. Well, the reason we did this is Randy Hall's song All Night. Did they do the African Indian yeah. ritual dance? Song is awesome. It was a hidden gem. Never really was a big hit. It was just known for this movie. So I was like, Kevin, we should do hidden gems. People need to know about these. My first one, number five, Trans X Living on Video. <laughs> Okay. From 1983, this song sounds like the early 80s on cocaine. So as a bonus, you get like some whispering from a woman in French. You get robot voices. I get the feeling that this was like a, they thought they'd get a bunch of play on MTV because it's a whole song about moving from the radio to video kind of. So I'm like, they probably thought they were going to get a, a bunch of play on MTV and then it just, I don't think it did. It's a weird song and it's not catchy enough, I suppose. So my number five is from one of my personal favorite movies of all time adrenaline is the band the name of the song is road of the gypsy And it's from Iron Eagle. Adrenaline is banned 875 million of the 1980s. But oh my God, when you pair a song that never really was going to be popular, like Iron Eagle was the alternate Top Gun. In Top Gun, you had Kenny Locke and yeah. boom, 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 cheap trick, boom, 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 boom. So you had bands like King Cobra on this soundtrack. And then you had this song by Adrenaline. It was just Doug Masters trying to learn how to fly a plane with Louis Gossett Jr.'s Chappie Sinclair. And it's the montage. 
with this. It's a perfect montage yeah. song. So Adrenaline, Road of the Gypsy. My number four, I think you may have picked this on the podcast before. Okay. We did, one time we did a pool check for just random songs, and you may have picked this. I can't remember. All right. Boy Meets Girl, Waiting for a Star Oh, yeah, fall. it's one of my favorites, 1989. <laughs> So I love that the song was written after they saw a shooting star at a Whitney Houston concert. They literally were at a Whitney Houston concert, saw a shooting star, and wrote the song. Now, Belinda Carlisle recorded the song, but then ended up leaving it off of the album, or the record label left it off of the album. So then they were like, fuck it, we're going to release it ourselves. They did, and it became a minor hit for them. So my next one is a group, Kevin, it's a very, very established group. Ario Speedwagon. The song is Roll With The Changes. So people think, you know, they're ballads, but Roll With The Changes is like a six and a half minute long song, seven long song. It's one of those songs that give you like the lyrics to speak to, especially when you're going through that period of change in your life or you've reached a crossroads. It is such an amazing song that never got the due I believe it was supposed to get. I know it was a song on Rock Band. It was a downloadable song on Rock Band. It's a very great song. I need you guys to listen to it. Hidden gem by far. Roll with the changes, R-E-O. All right, my number three I'm excited to talk about. Marillion Kaylee. What? So the song Kaylee is partially responsible for why every girl you meet now is named Kaylee because it wasn't really much of a name or a popular name before 1985. So the first thing I will say, the singer's name was just Fish. So like Sting or Madonna. Fish. But Fish. The guitar player, you'll know, was Midge Yuri, who co-organized Live Aid with Jim's favorite person, oh, Bob Geldof. Piece of shit. And Midge Yuri came up previously on this podcast as the lead singer of Ultravox. Ah. Uh, because of their song, Vienna, or uh, Vienna. Vienna, Vienna. Now, I have a quote to read concerning the song. This was an interview with Fish from 2021 about his final album, Welshmares, <laughs> where Fish noted, I'm never going to be playing stadiums or arenas again, and I definitely don't want to be on the chicken and a biscuit circuit singing fucking Kaylee. <laughs> so. You know what? I always found that weird. Like, these bands... Was that for like the longest time Nickelback did not want to play How You Remind Me? Because they're like, fuck, we have other songs, guys. All right. I will tell you, the band Marillion, the only thing close to relevance they ever did was charting with a song called Kaylee. And what don't they want to do? Play Kaylee. I'll never forget. This was, oh shit, seven years ago now, I saw Huey Lewis in the news at Packard Musical. So they played like three or four of their big hits. Huey stops and goes, everybody, just so you know, we're going to play some new stuff. I'm sorry if, you know, you want to hear all of our hits, but we want to try a couple things. Huey Lewis should not have to apologize. 
that he wants to play newer music. I tell you what, when I go to work, pisses me off. I don't want to answer the phone. No, I don't want to send emails. No, but I want to get paid. And like, that's part of my job. Now, if, especially if people are paying me to be there, if you're a rock band, like you just said, imagine seeing a band and they play nothing. They play like none of their stuff. Yeah. Be pissed. Exactly. I mean, why you should not have to issue an apology. If you played just all of your hits, you'd be done in 30 minutes. Come on. I want a two-hour show. Give me the shit I've never heard of. So my next one is another amazing hidden gem. Why a lot of people have not heard it blows my mind. Band is Love and Rockets, English alternative band. The name of the song is So Alive. I can't share this with you. I feel I'm on top again, babe. That's got everything to do with you. They're a really cool, like, prog rock, like, Bauhaus-type band from England. Once again, it was one of those bands, like, if you heard the song, like, I just played, you'd be like, it's that song. There's a lot of 80s songs you're like, oh, that one. An amazing song. Played it on Top of the Pops. Always check out Top of the Pops. Old videos from, like, the mid to late 80s. Check them out. Came out in 1989. Made it all the way to number three on the Billboard 100. 89 was kind of that music was starting to transition. So, yeah, check them out. Love and Rock, it's so alive. My number two, Nucleus, jam on it. Two turntables with a mic and I learned to rock like a dolomite. Time went by on this God creation. I knew someday I would rock the nation. So I made up my mind just what to do. And I jumped with the jam on production proof. So go crazy. Hell yes, we've referenced them a lot. 1983. Now, first, there was a song called Jam On Revenge or Jam On's Revenge. The Wiki Wiki song. And Jam On It was the follow-up. Now, Jam On It actually didn't do as well as Jam On Revenge, but in my opinion, it's far superior. You can hear it in the uh, bar fight scene in Wedding Singer. Yes. But when I was a kid, I wore out the cassette, probably because I was daydreaming about being a break dancer. And that's, of course, when I wasn't daydreaming about being a kickboxer, because that was like my dream when I was a kid, because I really. Was- too many Van Damme movies. Oh, fucking Van Damme. It's like I'm going to be a kickboxer. Hopefully, if you did become a kickboxer, you wouldn't have fucking blinded somebody in a and movie you were in Cyborg. Why are you guys curling up the ring? We just <laughs> fought three rounds in a regular ring. Why are you curling inside? <laughs> so my next one, Shaker Heights slash Cleveland born. Gerald Levert. You might remember him from a little group called Levert Sweat and Gill, LSG. Yeah. But he had a song that came out in 1988 called, Oh, Casanova. Can't you see how much time really love Gonna sing it to you time and time again Oh, Casanova God damn, the song was nominated for favorite R&B soul single at the American Music Awards in 1988. Same with the Grammys. Such a great song. It's that late 80s sound. It's Levert. He's a Cleveland boy from Ohio. Get a taste of that Casanova. All right, hit that number one sounder. Number one. So as long as we do these like random songs or, you know, obscure songs or what are we calling this one? Forgotten songs. As long as we're doing this, I'm always going to pick this song. Okay. It's Prefab Sprout, the king of rock and roll. Yes. I heard it in what I can't remember what I store love I was that you in. heard it somewhere. Ah, oh. hot dog, 
jumping frog, Albuquerque, or as it sounds, hot dog, jump and fart. I want a cookie. cookie. That's what it sounds like. I love it. It's just such a rad song, a fun video, super weird. Like it a lot. I'll keep this one quick. Number one, crowded house. Don't dream it. You call over. that forgotten hit? I don't. It's a hidden gem, not okay. forgotten. It's All hidden right. gem. Yeah. I don't think it was that big of a hit. It was I, known. It was in a couple movies, but crowded house. I have a couple honorable mentions that I thought were a little not forgotten. Hold me now, Thompson Twins. That's a great one. Doctor Doctor by the Thompson Twins too is great. Millie Vanilli, I'm gonna miss you, and that's because their other songs were all the hits. You know the well, not oh, their well, hits, well, but that guy's uh, hits. Blame it on the rain and girl, you know it's true. But I'm going to miss you is definitely like a a standout, more of a a ballad. And then the song that everyone knows, but probably couldn't tell you the name or who is by new shoes. I can't wait. Oh, I believe it was like a Danish remix one because I went down a rabbit hole one night. I played that song without like the remix, the mix that ended up going to like number one, totally different song. It's an awesome song, but man, it's so different without the. Yeah, that's what makes it. That's the uh, Coles commercial type of That was sound. the quintessential top 10 Hot 101 yeah. every fucking week. I can't wait. <sighs> all right. Any more honorable mentions or anything? Nah, we're good. Donald! Uh, first of all, my name's Ronald. Get in a fucking pool, Mancini. Hi, I'm Rob Leonard, one of your lifeguards, and you're listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. Critical question this week. Every once in a while, we have to get a little heavy. It can't all be jokes and laughs. Oh, come on. And good times. So Ronald has quite the year. He goes from mowing grass in order to save for a telescope. Kevin. He went from like totally chic totally geek well from geek to chic to leper (laughs) he goes from mowing grass in order to save from a telescope to spending one thousand dollars for a girl to very popular the object of everyone's desire and then ends up in a worse place than he started in the end i think things work out for him but it's only after he realizes cindy was right that you can't lose yourself can you think of any things you did in high school or before high school where you feel like you lost yourself i kind of you reach that point especially when i came out of puberty because puberty wrecked me i went from thin to titty to thin again and i remember when i started it's probably around seventh grade like after i came out of puberty i wanted to be with the clicky group yeah so i went from just like normal like regular clothing to convincing my mom to buy me i'll never forget this she went to Kaufman's and bought me green Tommy Hilfiger slacks. Yeah. And I had to wear Tommy Hilfiger button downs. It all had to be Tommy. And I remember attempting to make friends with the cool people. 
Yeah. And it just never really worked. There was one guy who was like the king of the cools, but he could have been friends with anybody. And I remember hanging out at his house. He was really cool. And he even told me, well, I was like, why are you trying so hard? Yeah. You're fine. I don't know what you're doing. Well, I also have, uh, you know, that is one of my things is I think how my parents bought me Tommy Hilfiger and Jordans. And like, I wanted those things because it was trendy and because like, I felt like that's what it took to be popular. And I asked them for it. It's not like they just went out and bought it for me. Like I, I like, hey, mom, I need Tommy. I need Jordan. I wore penny loafers. But it just didn't matter at all. Like, we didn't have a ton of money growing up. It was a one-income household. And and I wish I would have had the, the gallantry to tell my parents, like, this isn't necessary. Like, yeah. I will wear whatever. It never fucking mattered. It didn't. It never mattered. It wasn't about that. But it's still something that you felt middle school, high school to put pressure on yourself. I have to have those or else. I'm never going to get laid or a girl's never going to talk to me or yeah. I can think of a couple things. A close friend that I knew from the time I was five years old, he was always a little different and he had an extremely difficult upbringing. So his parents would get up and leave for work at like 4.30. So from the age of literally five years old, he would get himself up, get ready for school, make himself breakfast, lunch, whatever, get to the school bus. And being a parent now of, you know, a six, almost seven-year-old and a five-year-old, I'm like, I can't wrap my mind around- a lot of responsibility. Even doing that as like a 10-year-old. He was five years old. He had perfect attendance. He always, no matter how sick he was or whatever, but when you're a five-year-old getting yourself ready for school, you don't think about things like wearing the same shirt two days in a row or making sure all your clothes are clean or if you like spill something on a shirt, don't rewear it type of thing. So sometimes people would like give him a hard time. And I think what I remember is like there were times he was bullied that I was like present for. And I wish I would have been like stepped in Ronald and said, listen, and I was popular. So I could have used my popularity to be like, he's cool. He's, you know what I mean? Leave him alone. And I didn't, we all have to fight our own battles, but sometimes you can definitely use a nudge. Yeah, I agree. So I, I wish I would have spoken up instead of just been a bystander. Cause you know, as you get older, you learn things that matter and don't matter. And I guess the lesson of this movie is be yourself. Exactly. Except without the one, thousand dollar arrangement cindy would have never noticed ronald he fanned out and mashed against the store window one thousand yeah. dollars so i don't even know what i'm saying let's move to logic it all could have been different mr walker you should have allowed nature to take its course i got a lot i have so much <laughs> A fucking so let's first off let's just mention the chain of events at the mall is so improbable now for the same price i can tell you this five inch telescope oh it's only five inches well it has optical invert mm -hmm. take a look take a look gives you an erect image rather than upside down <laughs> yeah ah uh, yes I see the erection. I'll be right back. I'll wrap it up for you, Ronald. First off, is it a camera and a telescope store? I don't know. It's such a random store. So Ronald is at the mall to buy his telescope. He's friends with the guy who owns the telescope store. Yes. He sees Cindy through the telescope, walking through the mall, and he follows her through the lens. Fucking weird. Now, the weird guy working at the store is like, so I'll just wrap this up for you? Like, he's desperate. We need to call a spade a spade here. Ronald Miller is fucking creepy. Yes, he very. By far creepy. So he sees Cindy. Cindy, you know, he sees her walking through the mall. In the telescope. In the telescope. He sees her go into the store 
Now, how he's able to deduce through the telescope what is happening. Kevin, her anguish. It's but written all somehow over. somehow he understands that she's trying to return this outfit and they're saying no. On the spot, he comes up with the plan that he's going to take this $1,000. Well, Kevin, you see the suede outfit that she's trying to return yes. on a mannequin. It says $1,000. Exactly $1,000. <laughs> not $999.99. Not $9.97. One he like, doesn't have money for tax. Yes. Now, well, he has $1,500. Oh, okay. But he, for whatever reason, only has 1000 on him. I don't know. He comes up with this plan on the spot to date him for $1,000 for a month. He says, let me rent you. It seems like he's been daydreaming about buying her, oh, right? He's, he's jerked when off When he's to this. sitting on this lawnmower, he's like, I'm going to pay her $1,000. Like, he's just... He's fucking jerking off on that John Deere just thinking about it. So, at the core of this movie, Ronald is a 16-year-old who gives a girl $1,000. Now, even 35 years later, $1,000 is a lot of money to give a girl or anyone else. He literally said at breakfast one morning how many yards and yes. how many miles that he had to do to get this money for the telescope. I just... $1,000. He faded out like he was King Dingling. It's weird. I love how Cindy also offers the manager, like, I'll come in here, I'll work free on nights and weekends as a down payment for the suede. First of all, that suede outfit, I really question to begin with. Mother. Mom. Can I borrow your suede outfit tonight? Cindy, I said no. Yeah, and in the whole outfit, so let me just jump into my next one. The outfit that's exactly $1,000.00, very convenient. The outfit's kind of a flimsy premise. So, like, she wanted to go to a party in her mom's outfit. After she said, you're not allowed to wear this, Cindy. But for what? To impress her classmates who aren't impressed at all? They're not really that dressed that's up either. That's, like, very high risk, very low reward, and kind of what she's preaching to Ronald about. But why does she need to impress? Impress everybody. She's the most popular girl She's in the school. She's dating a college guy from the Iowa. most popular guy in school. She has a cardboard cutout, and she doesn't have any cool clothes. Because if her mom has that closet of stuff, I'm willing to bet that they probably spend that money on Cindy too. Plus, I would imagine that mom and Cindy, they're best friends. Yeah, I would have no doubt in my mind that they're just pissing money away. Oh, but I, we get two of these. Yeah. You know, one for you, one for Super me. Super weird. One thing I want to mention to Ronald when they're at the airplane graveyard mentions, hey, this is where I see myself in 25 years. His prediction for 2012. Yeah. Wow. Not only was it the mind's calendar end of the world, but his world was fucking warped. Yeah. Where he thought he would be in 25 years in 2012. Yeah. It's a weird logic what does he? Point. What does he say? He says, I'll play it right here. It's just... There is a future world. By the time of my dad's age, people will be living there and working. Maybe even us. Real quick, to go back to the $1,000 thing. If Cindy went home and was like, sorry, I wore your outfit and I spilled something on it. Was her mom going to kick her out? You know what I mean? Like the worst that was going to happen, her mom might ground her, be mad at her, or make her pay back the money over time. If her mom can piss away $1,000 on a suede outfit, guarantee she has the money to replace it so she's freaking out i mean i get it not wanting to get into trouble but like she wouldn't really gotten that big of trouble when it comes to geography and logic kevin there's one point where their friend quint he's named after the guy from jaws he's the real asshole guy yeah. which yeah at one point quint in the beautiful outdoor cafeteria does a fire in the whole thing yeah 
with like a piece of meat. I don't know what it was. Yeah. He throws it, but it makes no sense because it came in. They have their own section, right. which if we're sitting down, it's on the left side of where Ronald's sitting. He somehow chucks a grenade and when it lands and hits Ronald, it comes in from the opposite direction. Yeah. So Quint is able to bend time and space. He's the doctor. He came in in his TARDIS, chucked a meat grenade at him from the opposite direction. I have the African Annie ritual. So even if... Even if Ronald thought that that was Bandstand, I mean, I, he is like a nerd, a geek, an Urkel, but How he does has he not know that's Bandstand. He's not. This doesn't look cool. It can't be this. How is he this oblivious? Like, even if it was Bandstand, I just can't be like that. Can't be the popular dance. Like, he never once questioned it. He just did the dance, and that was fine. They might not have cable, but fuck, they showed music videos on network television yeah. on Saturday mornings. So my next one, it's the first day of the agreement. Ronald shows up to school to meet Cindy. He's wearing a fucking weird beret. I don't get the beret thing. But Cindy takes him outside. Now, if I'm going to do this for one day, we have to do something about your style. I mean, it's like non-existent, okay? Take off that hat and rub that in. Okay? Um, Take off those glasses. Go. Let me take a look at you. Nope. Turn around. Oh, shit. Oh, the sleeve. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Fine. Turn around and back up. Yes, yes. Big improvement. Yes. Perhaps someone moose in the yeah. air. She executes the most perfect sleeve rip. Yeah, I have ever seen. Yeah, that's awesome. It, how? How? Like logically, that should not be possible unless they were pre-cut. I there is no way I could wear that to school. No, they were like real sticklers about that sort of thing. This dude just walks in sleeveless. One of my biggest annoyances, probably the last one I'll mention, the real huge annoyance in the final scene when uh, Ronald stands up for Kenneth. Why do the baseball players have their bats and gloves with them at lunch? <laughs> They're just chilling. Obviously, have a baseball game that day after school but they don't have like an equipment room a bag a locker they literally have their bats and gloves with them at lunch because ronald picks up the bat and then also why do they have cheerleaders at a baseball game no what kind of weird school is this first off they have that weird outdoor cafeteria too cheerleaders at a baseball game apparently they got a great football team because bobby got a scholarship to iowa so it's a pretty good football team but no cheerleaders going to a fucking baseball game no boosters paying for haircuts I also got one other quick one, and I want to ask you something too, Kevin. Ricky is just wearing an apron and home act. Well, what about Bobby? Yeah. Come on, we just want some answers, all right? Yeah. Like the teacher's talking, <laughs> be like, hey, Ricky, look, you put on a shirt. All right, there's food here. All right, Ricky, we know you're cool. Rico Suave, come on. You told me that during the Kenneth stand-up scene that apparently in the background, yes. somebody gets knocked the fuck yes. out. I didn't see it. Okay. I, I guess I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I saw an IMDB or something. There is During that scene, if you look in the background, apparently there is a... One of the extras sucker punches another extra. <laughs> And I will have to look for it. Pool seniors, you uh, you keep an eye out for it. Apparently somewhere in that final scene in the background, an extra sucker punches another extra. So I yeah, don't know. Yeah, screenshot what... it, send it to us. Yeah. We'll send you something. We, I guess. Sort of like the Teen Wolf Dick thing? Back to the Future Part 3 when the kid flicks off the camera. Yeah. All right. Legacy of this movie, they do an homage to it in the movie Easy A. 
on purpose. You know, they're like fans of the movie in the movie and she rides off on his lawnmower at the end of the movie. And nice. it's, it's like a similar movie, sort of like a nerd kid. He's the mascot and stuff like that. She falls in love with them and uh, she rides his lawnmower all night long. <laughs> the funny thing is though, this is the second Beatles song I ever knew of because I knew of Twist and Shout from Ferris Bueller. This could not have been cheap for them to go. That's what I said. Fuck. That had to cost a lot. Boy Rents Girl. Which, interesting. Uh, I don't, is there a Beatles song that doesn't have a movie? Love Me Do. There probably is. Uh, Somewhere. It's probably at the Dollar Tree and the uh, journey (laughs) of me looking at $10,000. Hey, watch it asshole yeah no there's pretty much a beatles movie like a movie title named after a beatles song like every single one which is nuts because a movie like this the royalties to use that song yeah. had have been and i don't immense. think the, the song's really in the movie is it just in the very beginning and the yeah. very end that's it you seen the nick cannon one no you want to no Sure. Should I? I think they might have even, in some capacity, changed the title of that. Yeah, because so like it's I, like a loose adaptation. It's, I'm pretty sure it's a very close remake, just with some uh, some different elements changed, but or or they borrow scenes exactly, something like that. But I think after time, sort of like Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow thing, I think over the course of time, maybe there wasn't a benefit to actually calling it the same thing. And I think that they changed the title for maybe the DVD release or something. Is Nick Cannon supposed to be the Ronald Miller of that? Once yeah. again, you get two guys that are supposed to be a geek that yeah. sure as hell would not look like a geek right. or pass as a geek. Yes. Come on. All right. Stick around for some plugs. You already know that Action Park has the most innovative and exciting rides. The Alpine Slide, Grand Prix race cars, and spectacular water rides. But Action Park means more than just great rides. It means super live shows, fantastic summer festivals, and scrumptious food and drink, including an authentic German brewery. Come to Action Park, because the rides aren't the only thing that's great. Nine-day German festival begins August 22nd. Pool Sceners, once again, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Pool Scene Podcast. And as always, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Smash that like button with unbridled enthusiasm and make sure you spread the word of the Pool Scene Podcast to one and all. Go over to Facebook at Pool Scene Podcast. Join the Pool Sceners group. You guys want to win some free stuff? Maybe make a suggestion about an episode or two? Let us know. Join today. Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast and TikTok. We're trendy with the kids, y'all, at Pool Scene Pod One. And as always, thank you, thank you, thank you. And now back to Kevin. Now, the final lap. Yeah, the final lap. Hey, I just said that. Repeating motherfucker. <laughs> Uh, Jim, what do you got going on in the final lap? So before I mention a couple things in the final lap, once again, send us a five-star review, everybody. Make that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a nice review. And you know what? We select it. We'll read it on the air and send you a prize just like Mike Cole. Kevin, this week, especially since us being big wrestling fans, a little controversy has occurred. Not a surprise. WWE superstar, because they don't like to be called wrestlers, because God forbid their craft be acknowledged, known as Walter, who is a big Austrian motherfucker who is known for his chops. The touch paper is lit. Get ready for the fireworks. 
This guy has, he's that quintessential old school looking wrestler, but oh my God, this guy will beat the shit out of you. The WWE last week announced they filed a trademark for the name Gunter Stark. And if you do your history buffs out there, if you Google search, the number one pickup on Google is the name Gunter Stark was also a Nazi sub lieutenant. So now last night on WWE programming NXT 2.0, as Walter wins his match, he says, and the winner of the match is Gunter. It's not the fact that they renamed him Gunther, which is fucking horrible idea because they've marketed his name as Walter for the past three years. It's the fact they trademark Gunther Stark, which is a Nazi dude. Yeah. What the fuck? They also had a woman who's been established. Her name's Saray, but they made her an Asian schoolgirl Sailor Moon gimmick. You also have Akira Tozawa, who is an Asian ninja. And then you have two other Asian members on the roster. Kushida, Ikmanjiro, are a team called Jacket Time, which is a playoff jerking off, and they wear jackets. And one has diarrhea a lot. What the fuck are you doing, Somebody Vince said, McMahon and Bruce Prichard? here shortly, and Kushida will have a samurai gimmick. It's so fucking um, racist. Every time they have anybody that's from anywhere else they have to base it around their nationality god damn it and he's austrian he's not german no and then well so was another famous nazi very true there was a a wrestler who i respect greatly uh recently mustafa ali who we don't know the details but basically vince asked him to do something that he wasn't comfortable with but based on the history of middle eastern wrestlers muhammad Hassan, for instance yes they did like terrorist beheading gimmicks basically and so it wouldn't be far-fetched that he was pitched either magic carpet you know middle eastern like rug vendor or terrorist yeah i mean basically and he said no no i'm I'm out of here i I want my release my release and and it appears that i think they're going to grant it to him now there's a history of this so one (laughs) heidenreich yeah one of the people that i trained with was lucky enough to have some training with was bill Eady, who you'll know better as demolition axe and a member of the mask superstars with andre the giant the best dude ever super cool guy um very knowledgeable i mean beyond very knowledgeable like he watched us wrestle this five minute match one time and literally spent an hour and turned it into like a main event at wrestlemania quality match just a little five minute thing we did and he's like that spot you started with here do this instead i mean he's amazing dude so he had an advantage over vince in that he was previously a high school teacher and Vince used to pull shit with them all the time. So demolition were the tag champs for like two years without losing the belts. And, when the belts meant something. And yes, when the belts meant something. And Bill was from Pittsburgh. And Bill was, you know, WWF was going through Pittsburgh and his entire family was going to be there. His brothers and sisters and mom and dad and everyone was going to be in Pittsburgh to see him. So Vince goes up to him and says, without any build up, without any reason, he goes, you're dropping the belts tonight. And Bill said, bullshit, I'm not. And Vince says, yeah, you're going to drop the belts tonight. He goes, I'll drop them tomorrow. I'll drop them next week. I'm not dropping the belts here. Vince says, you're going to drop the belts tonight. And Bill said, you know what? I quit. I'm a school teacher. I'll go back to teaching. Bill was able to hold that over Vince. I guess he had tried to do things of that nature a handful of times. And Bill just had an advantage because he truly would have quit. Vince McMahon is a fucking egomaniac. Now he's 76 and completely out of touch. This is also the same guy who I don't know if they're going to end up making Walter or now Gunther a full on semi pseudo Nazi gimmick. But back in 2005, they decided to give this guy, not Walter, but another gentleman, the name Heidenreich 
and make him a cryogenically awakened Nazi. Yeah. Fuck this company. Seriously, fuck this company. A very poor history of human rights and why anyone continues to want to go there. Exactly. I don't know. It's, I don't it's it. just very crazy. It's a simple Google search and it went through not just their well, social media, their several, IP attorneys. Several people have pointed out one of two things happened. They trademarked the name without doing a Google search. That's a pretty bad oversight for a company of that size. When it has to go through multiple people. Or they did it on purpose. I think they did it on purpose because to them, bad press is press. Yeah. yeah and both, and people are talking both about scenarios it. are not good. And in the end, Walter gets buried. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's like he's going to go to the main roster and they're going to give him a breakdancing gimmick and it's going to be very uncomfortable it's because bad. he's maybe the most believable wrestler in the ring of the last 20 30 years yeah and they wrecked him with gunter wrecked him <laughs> wrecked him damn near killed, killed him. him anything else in the i want to do a netflix recommendation if you guys haven't check out ricky gervais's afterlife it just wrapped up they only did three seasons or series as they call it over in England. Holy shit, dude. I've never watched a series so much. It is so wholesome and it's just made me cry. It's written perfectly. Basically in a nutshell, guy loses his wife who's his best friend and he doesn't know how to cope with life without her to the point in like questioning suicide and he realizes throughout the series i don't want to do that but he's learning how happy can be for him now like what is happy now for him yeah so he goes throughout this series and he realizes like the people around him are affected by him and they bring out his great traits that he thought died with his wife but he never forgets how much he loves her and then he realizes all the people around him that keep him going so please check out afterlife on netflix it's only 18 episodes yeah fantastic ricky gervais modern day legend i I have to watch things like that at certain times because like i was 20 i was a couple weeks before i turned 24 when i lost my dad if i'm not in the right headspace to watch something like that it'll just tear me up yeah it wrecked me last night Uh, i was crying so i'm like i you know stay away but something else that's wrecking me i mentioned earlier is we've been watching euphoria and uh you know being the the father of two daughters I'm very scared (laughs) if this is how, you know, and it is like hyper realistic in ways. And like, if this is how teenagers are with experimenting with uh, drugs and sex, a little bit uh, different than when we were teenagers, big time, it's very scary of not only how it is now, but how it will be in another 10 years, you know, so scary. It's a, I don't even want to know scary nightmare stuff. So uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, check out Peacemaker. I watched the first episode of that with John Cena. Hilarious. And I'm uh, five episodes into the recent season of Cobra Kai. So you didn't finish it yet? Not yet. No, I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of over it. Yeah, I just I am. Oh, this is going good. Then I'm like, oh, they find a way to fuck it up. Telling you somebody I I responded on your one of your posts about. Yeah, I was like, if Johnny and and, uh, and Daniel just had an honest conversation and, and just laid it all out there. There's no show. Yeah. Everything's soft. It's all so fucking so Everything's conflict. a misunderstanding because these are two adult men in their 50s who just can't speak up. Terry but. Silver looks like Silver Beethoven. Like, <laughs> I, it's the weirdest dude. I don't well, know. You'll have to let me know when you finish that one so we can talk about it. Yeah. Because it goes uh, places. Weird, weird place, kind of. Yeah. We don't plan on renting anybody for a thousand bucks. And then next week, not a traditional episode. Well, traditional in the sense of a movie. I think next week we're going to do Swim Meat Series. A swim meet series. Until then, see you later. Assholes. Assholes.